I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Page. I'm your caffeine-imbued host, Page. Here's my coffee. Oh, mm. in the beginning, coffee. Lo, it was very good. I hope you uh, are going to join me as I go through another, start another journey into another book in the Bible, in the Old Testament, Judges. And join me as I think with my mouth open. I think I have the hook for this book. Hmm. There's a hook there. I think I have my hook for the book of Judges. And as always, I want to remind you that this devotional that I'm doing is not me trying to become a super duper Bible teacher. That's not the point. Me doing the devotional like this is really a point of accountability for me. Um, I wake up every morning, I get my coffee, I sit down, and I do what I'm about to do here. I briefly look over the chapter that I'm going to be viewing today, and this is really me recording my first initial thoughts over what I read. And it's based, I base this on the instructions that I see in Psalms 1, blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord, uh, and let's see, blessed is the man who walks not in the seat of the ungodly or sits in the seat of scorners, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Upon it, he meditates day and night. There you go. And the word meditate has connotations of talking aloud to yourself, muttering to yourself. That's kind of what you're going to see happening here. So this is a point of accountability for me because I have rediscovered the joy and the power that comes into my life when I start my day off in the Word of God, in the Bible. And I'm the reason I'm recording it and sharing it, because again, it's a point of accountability. I now have a small crowd of people that look for this every day, and that helps keep the fire lit in me to get up and make sure I do this. Otherwise, I could get lazy and decide, nah, I don't need to do it anymore. Or, oh, I'm too tired. Or, you know what, I can do this tomorrow. All sorts of things. So what I'm doing here is I'm just going to go through this chapter. I'm going to give him my initial thoughts. And uh, and to get back to what I originally started was talking about, my hook for this book is Judges, the story of my life. I'm constantly looking to ask two basic questions of every chapter I read. What does this tell me about God? What does this tell me about me? And sometimes the Lord takes my mind down paths that I wasn't prepared for, which is good. 
he always surprises me. And I think he has given me uh, my initial insight to chapter one here. So, Judges, the story of my life. Let's get started. Here's chapter one. After the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord, who of us is to go up first to fight against the Canaanites? The Lord answered, Judah shall go up. I have given the land into their hands. The men of Judah then said to the Simeonites, to their fellow Israelites, come up with us into the territory allotted to us to fight against the Canaanites. We in turn will go with you into yours. So the Simeonites went with them. When Judah attacked, the Lord gave the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hands, and they struck down 10,000 men at Bezek. It was there they found Adonai, Bezek, and fought against him, putting to rout the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Adonai, Bezek, fled, but they chased him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and big toes. That would cripple him because your big toe is incredibly important in enabling you to walk. And your thumbs, that's incredibly important. That's what you use to hold things. So he wouldn't be able to hold a sword. He wouldn't be able to walk. Uh, he would be totally, completely disabled. Then Adonai Bezek said, 70 kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off have picked up scraps under my table. Now God has paid me back for what I did to them. They brought him to Jerusalem and he died there. The men of Judah attacked Jerusalem and also took it. They put the city to the sword and set it on fire. After that, Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites living in the hill country, the Negev, and the western foothills. They advanced against the Canaanites living in Hebron, formerly called Kiriath Arba, and defeated Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai. From there, they advanced against the people living in Deborah, formerly called Kiriath Sefer. And Caleb said, I will give my daughter Aksa, in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kiriath Sefer. Othniel, who by the way, we're going to hear about him later because he was the first major judge, hence the name of this book. Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, took it. So Caleb gave his daughter Asa, Aksa to him in marriage. One day, when she came to Othniel, she urged him to ask her father for a field. And when she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, what can I do for you? She replied, do me a special favor. Since you have given me land in the Negev, give me also springs of water. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. Now the descendants of Moses' father-in-law, the Kenite, went up from the city of Palms with the people of Judah to live among the inhabitants of the desert of Judah in the Negev near Arad. Then the men of Judah went with the Simeonites, their fellow Israelites, and attacked the Canaanites living in Zephath, and they totally destroyed the city. Therefore, it was called Hormah. Judah also took Gaza, Ashkelon, and Ekron, each city with its territory. The Lord was with the men of Judah. They took possession of the hill country. But, mm, I hate that word. But they were unable to drive the people from the plains because they had chariots fitted with iron. All right. First of all, I've made some notes here out of this. Uh, I'm using the NIV study Bible. And I thought this was, this is good stuff. The Israelites failed to comply with God's command to drive these people out. To drive the Canaanites out of the land. Five factors were involved in that failure. First of all, the Canaanites possessed superior weapons. The Israelites disobeyed God 
by making treaties with the Canaanites. We're going to see that later in the next chapter. The Israelites took up the worship of other gods and so violated the covenant the Lord had made with their ancestors. God was testing the Israelites' faithfulness to obey his commands, and God was giving the Israelites, as his army, the opportunity to develop their skills in warfare. All right, big thing here. They didn't do what God had told them to do. They didn't finish up. And this is my story. Many times when I have attempted something big and huge in my eyes and succeeded, I have a tendency to stop before I finish what I start because I get complacent and I, I get fat and I get satisfied with what I have when God wanted me to have more. Uh, case in point, um, my entire life in the Navy, I hardly made any money. And I knew I needed to take better care of my family that financially than I was able to do in the Navy. I got out of the Navy and moved into the civilian sector as an engineer and started working my way up through the uh, through several companies. And I reached a point where I was finally making really good money. Now, if I had done what God wanted me to do, I would have continued to live uh, on as little money as I needed to, and I would have started throwing money into the bank. I would have started saving up. You see, my wife and I, we look at our bank accounts and there's a sense of security there when there's money in the bank. And I, I think everybody can identify with that. But what happened when I started making six figures? I started spending six figures. I became complacent. The discipline it took to get me to that point, the things I went through, the deserts and the wildernesses that I traversed to get to that point in my life, it's like when I reached that point, I forgot about the struggle. I forgot about what I was aiming at. And once I arrived there, I quit striving. I started spending. Israel is starting to get satisfied in the sense that they had this generation had lived their entire lives in the wilderness, suffered deprivation living in tents, always traveling, never home. And they had depended upon God for food, the manna. And now they're in a place of mil a land of milk and honey where they have their own food. They don't, they're not requiring God to feed them with manna anymore. They're not depending on God to feed them. They're feeding themselves. And they have a large army and for the most part, they're being wildly victorious. And when they come up against an enemy with armored chariots that could give them a military, militarily wise, a run for their money, they start doubting and they back off. I kind of see myself in that. I have a tendency in my life, I am a horrible finisher. I'm a great starter. I'm a horrible finisher. I'm a vision caster. When I'm in a group of people, 
and we want to attempt something, I'm the guy that can cast the vision and get people excited about doing what needs to be done. And I am a great initiator of so many things in my life. I've been a great initiator and a poor finisher. The Israelites were great initiators and they were poor finishers. They were in a place at this moment where they could totally destroy the Canaanite world, which is what God wanted them to do because the Canaanites' pagan sensibilities were going to pollute and and attempt to destroy all that God did, has done with Israel. And they start backing away from finishing the job. This is my story. As Moses had promised, Hebron was given to Caleb, who drove from it the three sons of Anak. The Benjamites, however, did not drive out the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. To this day, the Jebusites lived there with the Benjamites. This is going to come back to haunt Israel. Now, the tribes of Joseph attacked Bethel, and the Lord was with them. When they sent men to spy out Bethel, formerly called Luz, the spies saw a man coming out of the city and said to him, Show us how to get into the city, and we'll see that you are treated well. So he showed them, and they put the city to the sword, but spared the man and his whole family. He then went to the land of the Hittites, where he built a city and called it Luz, which is its name to this day. But Manasseh did not drive out the people of Bethshan or Tanakh or Dor or Iblim or Megiddo and their surrounding settlements for the Canaanites were determined to live in that land. Now, each tribe had their allotment of land that they were to move into and cleanse of the Canaanite uh, culture. Um, There wasn't a central governing authority. In a sense, there was, yes, there was God. There was the Lord. But each tribe pretty much was self-governed. At least that's the impression I'm getting. And so Manasseh was going to do what Manasseh wanted to do. And they did not drive out the Canaanites. It says because the Canaanites were determined to live in that land. Well, no less determined than all the other Canaanites that have been driven out. But for whatever reason, Manasseh did not call upon God to help drive out the Canaanites. So they didn't. When I was let go of that hundred, that six-figure salary job, I started a production company, a video production company. And I didn't talk to God about it at all. I didn't ask him for divine guidance. I didn't ask him for protection. I didn't ask him for anything because I was in charge. I knew this was going to, this was it. This was going to be the thing. And it wasn't the thing. It drove me into bankruptcy. Manasseh doesn't look like they talked to God at all about this stuff. God's will had been made clear to them. Drive out the Canaanites. But they did not drive out all the Canaanites. When Israel became strong, they pressed the Canaanites into forced labor, but never drove them out completely. Nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites living in Gezer, but the Canaanites continued to live there among them. Oh, Israel. Neither did Zebulun drive out the Canaanites living in Kitron and Nahal. Nahalal. So these Canaanites lived among them, but Zebulun did subject them to forced labor. That's not the same. 
Nor did Asher drive out those living in Akho or Sidon or Ahab or Aksib or Helbar or Aphek or Rehob. The Asherites lived among the Canaanite inhabitants of the land because they did not drive them out. Neither did Naphtali drive out those living in Beth Shemesh or Beth Anath. But the Naphtalites too lived among the Canaanite inhabitants of the land, and those living in Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath became forced laborers for them. The Amorites confined the Danites to the hill country, not allowing them to come into the plain. And the Amorites were determined also to hold out in men, Mount Heres, Ajalon, and Shalbim. But when the power of the tribes of Joseph increased, they too oppressed and forced labor. The boundary of the Amorites was from the Scorpion Pass to Selah and beyond. All right, so we're starting to see the foundation being laid for what's going to be happening in the future in the book of Judges. God had given them, and Joshua and Moses, strict instructions. Drive out the Canaanites. Don't live among them. And the trouble is, by living among them, you're, you're going to be subjected to the temptation of adopting their way of living. In fact, we're going to see Israel do that. They're actually going to start worshiping Canaanite gods. They're going to be intermarrying with the Canaanites. And in that culture, when a woman marries into another man's family, she adopts that other family's practices. So if a Jewish woman married a Canaanite man and he was worshiping the Canaanite gods, well, then she would start worshiping those Canaanite gods. And then they would have children. And those children would grow up worshiping those Canaanite gods, men and boys and girls. And then that boy would grow up and maybe he might marry a Jewish girl. And you can see how it starts. We, Paige, I should say, I'm not going to say we, I'm going to say Paige, is called to drive out the Canaanite influences in my life. What are those Canaanite influences? Well, it's the things I, you know, I, I, I find them in the things I watch, the things I read, the people I hang out with. You know, we're called to be in the world, but not of it. And we are called to, uh, I believe, Paige is called, I am called to drive out those Canaanite influences. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning to push away certain kinds of books, certain kinds of movies. I'm learning to put away certain practices that the world has, which seductively draws me into their way of looking at things, their ways of doing business and their sensibilities. God has called me to be different. This story of Israel here in book of Judges, this is my story. I'm a terrible finisher. Israel was a terrible finisher, a great start, but they didn't finish. And that is going to come back to haunt them. And in my life, I have seen my, this, the same tendencies come back to haunt me. Now I'm 67 years old. I can't go back and fix what I've done wrong in the past. All I can do is tell my children and my grandchildren my story. hoping that they take heed and avoid 
the pitfalls that I fell into. Just because I'm a believer does not mean I am immune to the draw of the world. Just because I'm a believer doesn't mean I will be victorious in everything I do. And generally speaking, I'm victorious when I walk in the power of the Lord. And I'm not victorious when I don't. At 67 years of age, I'm still learning that lesson. Judges. Mm, 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 mm. This is the story of my life. All right. Well, that's a good place to stop for today. Next stop, Judges chapter 2. Here's my coffee. I'm Paige. And I, folks, am out of here. Have a great day. Bye-bye. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither should my thoughts be your thoughts. You need to think for yourself.